manifesting is innate. Everybody can do it. Anyone can do it. It's nothing that you have to, you know, be necessarily like only specific people can do it or only, no, (laughs) everybody can do it. And I want to encourage people and empower them to do it. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul by chatting with incredible leaders, healers, and change agents who give you their message of hope after overcoming challenges of their own. And today we're talking to spiritual coach, manifester, and mindset adjuster, Lasa J. Are you ready to improve your way of life and thinking? You're all around happiness. You're in for a treat as we dive into how to turn that negative voice around and finally get what you dream about. You can stop feeling like life's passing you by and learn now how to lose the weight, get the relationship, build the business, have the dream job, whatever it is, travel the world. Learn how to get rid of whatever's blocking you right now. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Natha. Hi, how are you? Good. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. And I told you before we just started recording, just looking you up and reading uh, about you and then going to your TikToks, it just, they made me so happy going and looking at your socials and social does not usually make people happy and yours just lifted me right up. That's always what I strive to do, right? Just to create a little bit of light, a little bit of joy, be informative in the world. So I'm, I'm glad that that's coming over. Oh my gosh, totally did. Everyone has to check you out, which everyone does. You have, I don't know, half a million followers or something more than that, which I'll get to like, how did you even start doing that? But it's full of solution, which I like. It's not just mindless. It's so full of solution. It's the kind of solution I love. And I'm sure anybody listening, if you're drawn to listening to this, you definitely want that too. But what I first want to get to is here you are in the so-called mainstream, who knows what's mainstream anymore, going and probably following what your family wanted you to do. You are in medical school and actually almost finished medical school. And you're like, eh, which reminds me of my older sister who was a math major all the way through college and everything. And then she's like, no. And she became a musician and left that whole world, the 4.0 math major and all that and went to the music. But you were almost a medical school and you were like, nah. Yeah, yeah. I did my undergraduate. I did psychology and biology. I got degrees in those. I went to medical school. I did about another three and a half almost years in medical school. That's a long time. Months ago. And I decided to leave. Yeah. It was the best decision of my life. I can say that now. Yes. At the time, I was so scared. I had no idea what I was going to do with my life, but I was so clear on what I didn't want to do with my life. So that was the big difference. I mean, listening to that inner voice is huge. Um, but three and a half years in, that's that's enough for to have graduated law school, medical school. I can't even imagine. That's just part of the way. But so what made you make the leap? To leave? Yeah. <laughs> huge. I, well, there's a leap to go in, right? So my leap to enter medical school was because I always knew that my purpose in life was to help people. Like that was super clear. And when I shared this with my parents, they were like, awesome, become a doctor. <laughs> that's that's how you help people, right? Become a doctor. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Okay. Both of, I have two siblings and both of them went into medical school and became doctors. And I was like, okay, I mean, they did it. I can do it kind of thing. So I decided to pursue pursue it. And then I went through medical school and I did well in it. I enjoyed it to some ex- aspects. And I realized it was totally out of alignment with me. Every day I was waking up 
feeling drained, regardless of if I just, you know, had a 12, 12 hours of sleep the night before, if I was, you know, feeling good in all the other aspects, my life felt like it was falling apart. And outwardly, it looked wonderful, right? Like my life looked great. I was in medical school. I had all this bright future ahead of me. Like everybody would always say this to me. And inside, I was just like so entangled in the space of like, this is not what I want to do with my life. This is not where I want to be. And one day I literally got up and walked out of class and got on a plane and went to Arizona. And I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know what I'm not doing. And all my friends were like, where are you going? <laughs> like, what's happening? Didn't tell my parents, didn't tell anybody. Because I knew every time I had this discussion, someone would talk me back into it, right? Because I wanted to prove myself to them. I wanted to prove myself to like everybody else around me. I wanted to go to medical school to make my parents proud. I wanted to show my classmates that I could do it. I wanted, you know, prove, prove, prove. But it was like at the end of the day, I was trying to satisfy everybody else. And I was totally dissatisfied on the inside. Arizona? Where'd you, did you go to Sedona? Where'd you go? <laughs> like I went to Arizona and I mean, they still have the program now. I joined the a woofer program. So it's the World Organization of Organic Farmers. Wow, that's very cool. <laughs> so I found a farm that would take me. And basically you go and work on the farm and they will give you housing and they'll feed you. And I was like, perfect, because that's just what I need right now, right? Just to chill. Oh my gosh. Arizona was the spot. So I, I went and I stayed there and I picked beets and, you know, roasted in the hot wow. Arizona. Wow. Laid under the stars and went on hikes. And, you know, I learned about all organic farming and, you know, eating healthy. And it totally shifted my life. Like that time totally shifted my life. And eventually I came back to New York and made peace with my parents. Uh, and, you know, things just kind of shifted from there and decided to pursue so many other things. And actually the year after I had left medical school is when I had gotten into coaching. And I said, you know what, this is what I want to do. I know I like to help people. I want to help people in a different way. And I started my coaching business. That's amazing. And so how did you end up? Because you went you into Ayurvedic health and all of that, which you should, should probably explain. Everybody might not know what that even is, but you have a master's in, in that. And, and so can you explain what that is? And Absolutely. So I had left medical school, started my coaching business, went on with my life. I got different certifications. I became a certified health coach. I did yoga teacher training and, you know, I did meditation programs. I got all of the, all of the things. Cause I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to become the best version of me I can so I can help other people. Um, years went on. And then later on, I actually ended up going to get my master's degree in Ayurvedic science and integrative medicine. I still had this full desire of treatment, of physical treatment and wellness. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother always used to raised us with this Ayurvedic mentality, right? Which was like natural healing. The best way to heal yourself is through nature. And it just totally kept resonating in my mind. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go and do this. So I did. And it was an incredible experience. And, you know, it was a three years master's program. And I started the program when I first started the program, I signed up, I was actually pregnant with my first child. And when I ended the program, I had already had a second child. So it was just like, it was wild to do a master's degree and then birth two children in this process and, you know, create a whole life for myself and everything. And it was intense. Looking back, I'm like, how did I do that? I have no idea, but I did. And I'm so grateful for it because I learned so much throughout that process. Ayurveda is this literally the science of life. And one of the main concepts is that everything in your life is connected. It's not just that you're having a spiritual issue. It's not just that you're having a physical issue. It's not just that you're being stressed and having a mental, you know, mental difficulties or whatever the case is. It's like, it's a, your whole being, you know? So when we treat people, we treat people as a whole individual. One of the sayings is always, if you water the root, 
you can eat the fruit, right? If you, if you nurture the tree and give it what it needs, then it can produce fruit. Just like that with our bodies. If we nurture our bodies and give our bodies what we need, then we can, you know, have the, the fruit, which is the abundance of life, being able to run and enjoy life and breathe full air and, and do all the things that we want to do and live in health and, and, you know, have the crown of health upon our heads is what the goal is, right? That's the fruit of life. So it was such an interesting experience to do that. And I have such a vast knowledge of Ayurveda now and plant healing and, you know, medicinal uses for so many different things. And I integrate that into everything, right? So I mainly work now as a spiritual manifestation coach, talking to people about how they can, you know, achieve different goals in their life, such as creating a family, bringing wealth into their life, getting promotions at work, uh, stepping into a new career, getting a new car, like literally anything and everything that you would want a goal towards, you know? And I really talk to them about it. And a lot of times people will come to me and say, I want more love in my life. You know, <laughs> help me manifest love. I'm like, okay. And then we'll talk a little bit more. And I'm like, oh, there's this going on underneath, right? There's this limiting belief that you're experiencing. You know, there's this spiritual difficulty that you're, what's your diet? Like, you know, and they're like, what? <laughs> like, what is this even... <laughs> Mark, why are you talking about my diet? I told you I want love. Are you telling me I'm fat? No. And what I love about Ayurvedic, by the way, is how old it is and how it originates from the feminine divine and uh, and all of that. Let's people probably want to know. Okay, well, I want this. How do I get it? And so I was taught, if you want more love, be more loving. But it's a little bit more than that, generally. One of the main concepts is, uh, yes, I agree with you that if you want more love, be more loving. Absolutely. But one of the things is if you be loving to your body, right? So eat the things that are nourishing your body and giving love to your body. Don't eat the things that are not. And it might seem so simplistic, but it goes way deeper into that, you know, with doshas and how people are categorized and what the certain food types are and eating at a certain time and how you're digesting and how you're sleeping and what time you wake up. There's so much that goes into it. So when you go and see an Ayurvedic practitioner, you know, they might spend an hour with you or 30 minutes with you or whatever. And you're just like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to wake up and go for a walk in the morning. There's so much behind that, right? They're just telling you what to do. They're not, maybe they're not explaining the years, thousands of years of science that happened to give you that, you know, little piece of advice there. So when your body's like, go out, I really feel like I need to walk right now, or I really need to step out. Listen to your body probably, right? <laughs> Yeah, always listen to your body, stay in tune with who you are and um, just remember to honor that. So what are the most important things, steps that someone can do? I, I saw you have your journal. I really love that you got the shout out about the journal. There you go. And we'll have links to everything for all of this available, but you have your manifestation journal. I, I believe in meditation and journaling are the two quickest and easiest ways to get to your truth and to get to everything. I, I best solutions. And that's so powerful. You know why? Because both of those things get you more connected to yourself, right? When you're meditating, you're centering yourself and you're becoming more aligned with who you are. When you're journaling, you're going through the different ideas that are in your head and you're getting more centered with who you are. So yes, completely. But you have a whole, I, I want you to talk about, because I, I love, I, I love the shout out you got on your Insta. It's probably on TikTok too, but so I want you to go ahead and talk about your journal and what that does and solutions that people can have because they're they're not difficult. No, they're super easy. And that's actually one of the reasons that I had written this journal because I have, I mean, by now I've been a coach for over 10 years. And what I realized again and again with all of my clients, it's like, if I don't make it simple, 
is not going to happen. It's so true. Characteristics of humanity, right? And as much as I love my clients, I've seen this again and again and again. They're so excited to do it, but then it's a little hard and then they don't. So I made this journal, which is super, super easy to follow. Easy methodology. I talk about three different manifestation methods in it. One is the 555 method. Another one is the 369 method. And the third one is scripting. And then in the back of it, you have the the lined paper to do it on, <laughs> to practice these three methods on, right? So the, for the 555 method, it's lined particularly for you to do that. For the 369 method, it's broken down for you to actually do that, you know, three times in the morning, the six times in the afternoon, and nine times at night. And it's already written out for you. So you read the book, you know, it's a short book to read. You, you get the information and you get to it because knowing something is one thing, right? Having the knowledge of what you should do is one thing, but then actually implementing it is life-changing. That's where the change happens. It's so true. My favorite gratitude journal um, is my favorite because I've been exchanging gratitude lists for, I thought it was 10 years and my friend corrected me and said, nope, we've been doing these for over 14 years now. I was like, wow. And now I have, a, there's a group of us and we exchange them. Some do morning, some night, some during the day, whatever it is, there's a, a group of us. But my favorite one, it's because it lists it. Here, put three in the morning, put a few at night because it's, just like yours, of, although yours, I'll let you talk about manifestation because that's that's such a big piece of this about the visualization of where you want to be in the future. I just think that's such a huge component or I believe it's a huge component. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think that one of the really powerful parts of manifesting is putting pen to paper. So even when you were saying journaling, I was like, absolutely, right? Because there's something so magical that happens when you put your pen to paper. It's like, it takes your ideas out of the ether space of your mind, which is like, intangible and takes it one step closer to reality in a much more tangible form of written. And it's beautiful. And that's one of the reasons that I was like, I have to do a journal because I want people to understand the power of written manifestation. So powerful. And this is across like everybody, right? I have clients that have started out very <laughs> low socioeconomic status, high socioeconomic status, everywhere in between across the world, males, females, every all age groups. And it's always been a consistent win that when people put what their goals are, what they want to manifest, what they want to create in their life, pen to paper. It's just like, it comes true. It happens, right? And it's it, there's more to it. It's not just write down what you want and it'll happen. Um, I often talk about six steps of manifesting, and I think it's a really powerful thing to kind of look at. But one of the first steps is getting very clear on what you want. When you have a clear vision of what it is that you're going for, you're that much more likely to get it. It's not just that you want, you know, food to eat. It's that you want a particular meal. It's that you want a slice of pizza with extra cheese on it and a diet coke, you know, or whatever it is. Because if that's what you wanted, I brought you a salad, you'd be like, oh, that's not what I want, right? So that's super important. Same thing with manifesting. It's not just that you want a new car. It's that you want the Tesla model, whatever, whatever, you know, with, with leather seats or, or vegan leather or whatever your choice is. Like, it's very particular. And it's like, when you're clear on what you want, you also are able to discern in your everyday life as to what is going to work in your life and what's not going to work in your life. And I've seen this again and again with clients who are manifesting love. When we are very clear on the type of mate that we want, and then we go on a date and someone is not that, we're like, okay, nice to meet you. Goodbye. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's really too easy to discern this person is not for me, or yes, this person's for me because they're hitting all of these things that are so important to me. Right. So that's, that's just the first step. Do you want me to go through the other ones as well? Yeah. And I had a couple of little thoughts. Um, one, when I was taught that when I write freehand, right, it's going straight from my heart also. 
my friend says, oh no, it's coming down as a channel and to your, and, but for me, I was taught it straight from my heart and it doesn't, that's how it comes out that all those things blocking, we don't even see, but it's taking that time and it gives it a chance to release. So that's one thing. That's why I'm not sitting there with a keyboard. It doesn't work the same and being specific. Uh, like when you want to manifest your soulmate or you want to be specific and you want to write it all out. So, okay. Yes. Go through all of it. Yeah. So the second thing is about really addressing your limiting beliefs that come up. So when you think about having this incredible mate or having this, you know, house, the five bedroom or a house. business or somebody who wants to like leave that job and because they're jealous of everybody else that they think life's passing them by and they're jealous seeing other people do what it is they want to do. They want to be you, Latha. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> or a business or a new job or promotion or uh, extending your family or making more money, whatever it is, right? When you're thinking about having that, what are the limitations that come up for you, right? A lot of times I hear this from clients when they're manifesting a big house, the big thing is, who's going to clean all those toilets, <laughs> right? And that's the immediate thought that comes to them. And you might think like, okay, but there's some kind of limitation there. It seems like, oh my gosh, if I get this, it's going to be so much work right? It's going to be a lot for me. And then that's the energy you're putting out. And that's not the energy of manifesting. That's the energy of, I don't want that really, right? So really to address those limiting beliefs is super important. I'm a big advocate of doing shadow work, doing shadow work prompts, working with a therapist or a coach or someone that can really give you guidance, working with a support group to really go through that because everybody has these limiting beliefs. It's not that if you have these limiting beliefs, there's something wrong with you. It's if you have a limiting belief, you're a human being right? Like everybody has limiting beliefs and it's really important to address those limiting beliefs so that you can easily manifest. Manifesting everything that you ever want is already yours. The thing that's in the way is you and your beliefs on what you can and cannot have. So when you really are truly allow those to be released, then your life shows up as your dream life, as what you've already always wanted and desired and daydreamed about. Okay. So shadow work, can you explain that please? Absolutely. Shadow work is finding the root cause of your limiting belief, right? It's about finding out why you're being triggered, where those projections are coming from, why you're having this, this cycle of repetition in your life again and again. It's called repetition compulsion. And it's sometimes known as uh, same, same stuff, different day. I'll say it that way. <laughs> same. Everyone knows what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. You, you go to a new job, but your boss sucks in the same way that your last boss sucked, right? in a new relationship and your boyfriend is doing the same thing that your ex-boyfriend used to do. And you're just like, what's going on here? You know? And it's like, you're creating these cycles again and again and again in your life. And that's because there's some limiting belief there. There's some shadow work that needs to be done. There's some deep rooted kind of things that have to be worked on. Okay. What's number three? So number three is all about affirmations and really creating a powerful affirmation is so important. It's, it really can change the way that you manifest because it's so true. something that really relates to you and feels powerful and you feel empowered by, you're going to use more. You're going to have it embedded in your mind. If you make it fun and rhyming, you're going to be able to you know, sing it like a jingle throughout your day. So having a really great affirmation is super important. Everybody listening, you've got to see, you have great affirmations I saw. on. The, you put them in as part of, you'll show the crystals, you'll show, talk about the chakra, you'll give an affirmation. I mean, they're just, I, I think that's why I just love the, your TikToks. They definitely resonate. So I love that. Thank you. I so appreciate that. I always try that when I'm making videos to give as much information as I possibly can, because it's like, I know someone might be scrolling through TikTok and just see me for seven seconds. I'm like, how fast can I talk? Like how, how, how many things can I tell people? Seven seconds? What can I squeeze into a one minute video? Right. Because it's like, yeah, there's some information that's there, but I know that I can just do my part by imparting something and something will stick in their brain and then they'll have some kind of change or benefit in their life from that. And I'm like, there, that's, that's my goal in life. So 
it's, it's been fulfilled, you know? They're really great. I, I can't stress enough. I'm going to send everybody over to your TikToks. They're just, I, I love that they're a plethora of information. So thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, next. Okay, so number four is all about feelings and emotions, right? Having our feelings and our emotions is normal <laughs> and tapping into them is extraordinary. That is the way that you truly, truly manifest with rocket speed. Manifesting with using your feelings and emotions is so, so powerful. The top three emotions are really like love, happiness, and gratitude. And when you can tap into those, it's like you can create anything. And let's just talk about the other end, right? The the low <laughs> vibrational emotions. Yeah, I was about to say, those are all the high vibrational frequencies. So we, we love to be up there. Yeah. Right. The low vibration ones are like shame, guilt, regret, all of those ones that are kind of like in the yuckies, right? And a lot of times your shadow that I was talking about doing shadow work is associated with those yucky emotions, the low vibration emotions. Some things that we feel like we're ashamed of or we feel guilty of, or, oh no, that shouldn't happen. I'm not deserving of that, right? All of those are in that low vibrational space. Yeah. So you want to get rid of those. You have to feel the feelings or else it's going to come out as trauma somewhere else, but feel it and get through it and move on. Tell somebody, don't hide and keep going. Okay. So then number five is all about visualization. Truly being able to visualize yourself as already having whatever your manifestation is, right? If you're living in a five bedroom house, what is that like for you? What, you know, how does your bed fit in there? What's the view out the window, right? Truly, truly, really being able to visualize it and using your five senses is really important. And then the last step, which is the biggest step, honestly, in my mind, uh, is aligned action right? Aligned action is so important. It's not just action. It's aligned action. It's not just you doing things. It's you doing things in alignment towards the goal that you want to reach. So those are, those are the six steps. And I think that really anybody can manifest anything they want. And one of the reasons I wrote this journal was so that people can understand that manifesting is innate. Everybody can do it. Anyone can do it. It's nothing that you have to, you know, be necessarily like only specific people can do it or only no, everybody can do it. And I want to encourage people and empower them to do it. Yeah. And it's not trendy or new. <laughs> it's been happening for a long time. So yeah, I actually learned about manifesting since birth from my grandmother, right? I was raised by my grandmother and she taught us about manifesting literally from the day I was born. And it was only until like I had gone to like grade school, I was like in the first grade when I realized not everybody did this and not everybody talked like this and not everybody spoke positivity into the world. And I was like, what? It was, it was a big culture shock to me, honestly. And then I kind of like went into my shell and I didn't really talk about manifesting or really like share it with anyone until uh, the book, The Secret came out actually. And when that mm -hmm. came out, people were like, oh, and I realized like, wait, other people know about this and do this too? Whoa. And that's when things like really shifted for me. Oh, that's so good. So when you're going through a hard time, what are the tools that you use to get you through? Meditation is a huge one for me. Uh, I'm a transcendental meditator. I've been meditating with TM in particular for about 16 plus years now, but I've been having some form of meditation my whole entire life. It was like a part of what we did in my family. And it has been just really the anchor for so much that's going on, right? Like I have to always remind myself, like I'm not meditating to get good at meditating. It's not an Olympic sport I'm doing. I'm meditating to get good at life, right? As the chaos is going around me, I'm meditating to make sure that I'm in the stillness, that I'm centered, that I'm strong, and I can then effectively respond to the world around me rather than just reacting. And yeah. I don't, I don't want to be a reactionary person. I want to be a responsible person and be in a response, right? Respond positively. Yeah, definitely. Did you teach it to your kids? When my kids were really little, I had them do all the kids like flying bed. Not scary, but yeah. 
and then they became eye rolling teens. <laughs> it's kind of the path, right? The rite of passage. Yeah, absolutely. My my little ones are little. They're still uh, five and three right now. So we do we talk oh. meditation. They sit with us for a few minutes, but um, it's really only that it's in in terms of the meditation. We really only start meditating actually for five minutes at the age of five. So right now my daughter's kind of starting that whole cycle. And it's really interesting to see her own perceptions. And a lot of times I'll talk to her and she'll say like something very profound. And I'll say, where did you hear that? And she said, oh, God told me. I'm like, what? Who are you? You know, oh, I learned on Peppa Pig or, you know, this yeah, is yeah, like, yeah. Show. She's like, I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I uh, I know. My kids would deny anything I told them. They said and they were really little at this point, but that's okay. So what's the hardest challenge you've gone through? How'd you get through it? Uh, it's actually something very recent. Well, not it's not that recent anymore, but last year I actually lost my father. He died due to cancer. And it was a very short period of time that we even knew. Like we he had gotten officially diagnosed, I think it was in June, and then he passed at the end of August. So within just this quick time, you know, I ended up losing one of the most supportive, amazing, incredible people in my life that was like also the anchor of our family. Our family is large and it threw me for a loop. I cut back the services I was providing. I couldn't even work. I was just like really in this like really difficult stage. And I'm so grateful for that experience. And I can say that now I wasn't at the moment, you know, when I was going through it, I was not grateful for it, but it gave me the understanding of grief and the depth of grief and also like the idea and the, the path out of it. Right. It's yes, I still miss my father and I grieve for him, but it's not consuming of my life. And I think that that's kind of what I learned. Like there can still be grief. There can still be sadness. There can be a full expression of all of those emotions without it becoming like overwhelming or taking you into this catatonic state, right? And one of the big things for me was to allow the grief, to allow the grief, allow the grief. Every time it came up, I would allow it. I didn't care where I was when I was. I was just like, I'm sad now. I'm gonna cry. You know, this is upsetting for me. I'm going to process this. I'm going to journal about it. I also, you know, spent a lot of time with therapists and I was like, I know I need this help. This is something, you know, life shattering, life shaking for me. And I want to be able to process this properly. And I got the help that I needed. Right. I talked to my friends about it. I talked to my husband about it, who had lost his father years ago and was, you know, had some kind of a comfort and discussions that we could have together. And it was just like, I really reached out to my resources, to my support group for this difficult time that I was going through. And actually during that time, I was struggling to meditate, having meditated my whole Oh yeah. Oh, it's really hard. It's so hard. Well, the, the first couple of weeks and stuff like that, the, the initial period is, and it's everything's so surreal anyway. Like, why are these people having their life? Don't they know somebody just found Like, it's so, it's everything's so difficult. But the thing that surprised me is, oh, it doesn't consume my entire day. It may consume part of an hour, but it's not even the whole morning. Or I may have grief in the car, in the shower, or my two main, probably because of the most private. That was for me. I always like to point to myself, like, whenever I wasn't grieving, right? Because sometimes it was like I was sad all day and then there was a moment of that I wasn't sad. And I always pointed out to myself, I would be like, look at that. Did you see that? You weren't sad then. <laughs> yeah. You know, you saw that flower for what it was. You you liked the way that your children laughed at this, you know? And I would constantly like point that out because I had to remind myself like there is good. 
right? There is still good and it's okay. Keep going, keep going. And it was like this, this process. And I just gave myself the time and the space to go through that process. And one of the things that I was uh, really, like I was mentioning, I was struggling with meditation. And one of the really cool things about transcendence meditation is you're part of this whole organization, right? So when I had a hard time, I had reached out to my TM teacher who, you know, I had worked with 15 years ago. I hadn't, we had no communication <laughs> for 15 years ago. Yeah. But I said, you know what? I really need help. And she said, okay, where, do you, where are you currently living? I, when I did my first TM, I was living in a place in New York. Then I moved to Florida. I lived there for a few years. Now I live in rural Pennsylvania. We live in the middle of the forest. There's nobody really around us. And she was like, I'll find a TM teacher for you. And I said, okay, it's probably going to be someone two hours away or whatever. Fine. Let, you know, I'll, I'll do the drive because I really need help. She found someone that was like up the street was like maybe a 20 minute ride for me. And I was like, what? You know, shocked. And I went and I sat with this woman and she talked to me and we talked about grief and we, she meditated with me and like, I left as a whole new person and I just left feeling like I had support, that I was held, that I was heard. And it was a beautiful experience. And that was one of the big things about transcendental meditation that I really align with is that whole space of support that, that is offered in the organization. Yeah. No, I know somebody else that had that experience. It had been almost 20 years and yeah, she had to do, it was the same kind. It's such a similar story. There's so many parallels with you, with a lot of your story, with different people I know. So I, I'm loving this conversation. <laughs> and you're also in the first year of grief of losing a parent. So we have to give ourselves grace no matter what. We just do. We have to be gentle with ourselves. So how do you make more time for yourself? You've got two little kids and your business and everything else. And I guess the retreats help. They always help me. When um, my kids were little, I made sure to give myself those times and I would try to recharge and have the energy for everything. That's a great point. I think as a parent or anybody that is having a lot of dynamic things going on in their life, making time for yourself is super important. I am really blessed to have a really loving partner who, you know, when I need time, he's there to step in and help with the kids. We also run a small farm and we have our children, we have our pets and we have our livestock and we have, you know, a couple of other things. We have a lot of moving parts, I'll just say that. And um, a lot of organization goes into it. We plan out our year as a family. I plan out my year as a business owner. I plan out um, our weeks. Every night I have a discussion with my husband about, okay, what's going on tomorrow? Are the kids, are we doing this? We also homeschool our children who are young, but we still, you know, we're creating that uh, paradigm of really educating them at home. And how does that work? Do they have co-op? Are they doing this? You know, like what's happening? What times do I have the kids? What times do you have the kids? It's really a lot of organizing, but it works because at one point we were like, ah, we don't want to organize. We're just going to do it. We're just going to wing it. It was chaos. It was chaos all the time. And I was miserable you know? And once I was able to truly organize what we were doing, when we were doing, and then fit in that me time, things changed, things shifted for me. So now my husband does the same thing, right? He has me time too. He has the time in our schedule that I know I'm like, okay, he's going to go to the gym, sit in the sauna for a little bit. I don't know, get a facial, whatever he wants to do. I don't care. You know, he can go and do that. And the same thing for me. And we balance that each other, you know, that out for each other. The retreats, are wonderful and very transformative, but they're work. I work on those. Yeah, no, I know. I know. Yeah. I'm on and I'm supporting the creators that come and join us on those retreats. And I'm making sure that they are getting a full on experience. And it, yeah. it's a beautiful, and I, I mean, it's a gift to be able to do that and hold that space for people, but I wouldn't call it resting. No, at no, all. I, yeah, I, I do know. <laughs> uh, do you have a message of hope you want to give? 
Sure. I would love to share just that, just know that things change and are continuously changing and remember that. The other thing I want to say is that if you are in a down space, just know that you can be in an up space before you know it. And if you're in an up space, remember there's a possibility that you can be in a down space. My point of saying that is that like having gratitude for whatever space you are in at any time is so important because things change, right? Things change. And just being grateful for all that is in your life, I think brings a lot of joy and understanding to every moment. The other thing I wanted to share is uh, kindness. So if, if you can do anything to be kind and to spread, you know, one act of kindness a day, I would highly encourage it. I try to do as many acts of kindness in a day that I can. And sometimes that looks like, you know, buying someone a coffee or paying for someone's meal at a restaurant or, you know, donating an article of clothing or something in my house that's no longer of use to us, but I know it could be of use to someone just really embodying acts of kindness as much as possible. That's actually how I met my husband through an act of kindness. And I've, I've seen the reward. So I want to encourage people, be kind. So how did that happen? Oh, um, yeah, I'll, I'm happy to share that story of how I met my husband. It's actually one of the stories on my TikTok that went very, mega viral. I had like almost 19 million views on TikTok. It went crazy all around the world. I had people texting me from you know Japan saying, I just heard your your story on the radio. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then they were like, oh, send me here. This is wild, right? So um, I had been in not so lucky love for my early 20s, I'll share that. And uh, I had been manifesting the perfect mate for probably about three or four months prior to actually meeting my husband. I moved to Florida and on a whim. This That's just how I do things sometimes. I moved to Florida on a whim. I was totally overwhelmed by my move, by my the huge house I had purchased, by everything that was going on in my life. And I said, wait a second, I'm a manifestation coach. I know this energy is not it. So I said, I have to shift my energy. So I took the day off from all of the chaos and I went to an art gallery. It was a Wednesday. And outside of the art gallery <laughs> in the parking lot, I saw my now husband, his name is Adam, across across the parking lot. And as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, oh, like something just caught my eye about him. And I was kind of like, bing. And I said, oh, what is that? That's interesting. We walked in at the same time. He held the door for me. And I was like, oh, that's that's really nice. He's super cute. Walked up to the the um, place where you get your ticket. And I saw a sign behind the lady. It said $5 for students. And I thought it was 10 bucks. So I had my $10 bill anyways. And um, I said, oh, I'm a student. And I handed her the $10 bill. And she said, oh, is your friend a student too? And she pointed to the guy behind me, Adam. And I said, uh, yeah. And I, and I was like, here's 10 bucks. I'll, I'll buy his ticket too. And she was like, oh, that's really nice. And I said, it's cool. He's going to buy me dinner later. And she kind of laughed. And you know, we walked away from the, the desk and I gave Adam the ticket. And I said, look, I'm just kidding. I was like, I'm just trying to do right back to kindness today, you know. Don't worry about it. I was just joking. And he's like, okay. He was like, well, you know, I don't know about buying you dinner around here, but I would love to make you dinner sometime because I'm a I'm a professional chef. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it caught me off guard that I was because I was like, that was one of the things on my manifestation list. Not that he was a professional chef, but that he knew how to cook. Yeah. And he was already handsome. You know, he had all these features. He was funny. He just the way he smiled. I don't know. It made my heart a flutter. And I was like, what is this? So we ended up spending the rest of the day together and then the next nine years of our life. So yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yay. I love that. Okay. So I have one other question that because you help people believe in their greatness. So do you have, I want to know how you do that. I think I'm blessed with the gift of being able to speak to only someone's greatness. So when someone comes to me and they're not in their greatness, I will only speak to their greatness until they're able to really like attune themselves to that level. And I think it's so important. And I practice that in my life in general. I practice it with my clients, with my children, with my family members, everyone, just 
speak to their greatness, speak to who you know they are and can be, and they will rise to meet that. And I will hope that everybody can embody that in some aspect and do that for each other. Yeah, definitely. And, and whoever's listening, you are great. You have your own unique handprint. Nobody can do what you can do the way you can do it. Nobody can speak it the way you can, write it, be it. That's the truth. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't originate it. It just is. So is there anything else that I should have asked you that will be done? And you'll be like, Lauren didn't ask me this and that you wish that you could have said. Well, we had touched on shadow work. And I kind of want to say sometimes our deepest shadows, when they're addressed, end up becoming our biggest strengths. So don't be afraid of doing that work and digging deep and seeing what's there and addressing those ick moments from your past or things that you might have some reservations about or talking about those limiting beliefs or working through them, they will end up empowering you and leading you to who it is that you are truly meant to be in this world. So true. I love that. Oh, thank you so much for being a guest today on 52 Weeks of Hope. Thank you for having me. This was a great experience. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, me too. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you Elizabeth Jay's messages of journaling, listening to your inner self and gratitude. Such great messages to take into your week ahead. Be sure to tune in next week for another empowering episode all about how to live abundantly, authentically, and how to keep joy in your life. It's a great episode. You also learn really good leadership tips, how to be the most confident version of yourself in every setting, no matter how you're feeling on the inside. That's next week. I know you're going to love that episode. Be sure to sign up for free Confidence and Clarity Boost sessions. Just go to the website at 52weeksofhope.com. If you're struggling, these would be great for you. They're just 15 to 20 minute sessions. It's for those of you who feel like life's passing them by or your inner critic's going nonstop, or maybe you're feeling burnt out, jealous of those who are doing what it is that you wish you were doing. These are perfect for you. They're just short, they're free. 15 to 20 minute confidence and clarity boost sessions. Just go to the website at 52weeksofhope.com and you can sign up there. If you're enjoying the podcast, share the love and tell two of your friends. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening. 